So Jesus, you are always with us, and your promise is that you give strength to the weary and to the strong. You lead us from strength to strength. And so, Lord, ask in these next few minutes, you would use Scripture and what I'm going to say and what we're going to think to help us be stronger in you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, I want to wish you all a happy Mother's Day. To those of you who are mothers or who have ever had a mother, happy Mother's Day. And those of you also who are aunts or teachers or mentors or serving as a stand-in mom in any way, just want to wish all of you happy Mother's Day. A couple years ago, I read an interview with an NFL football player who was getting close to 40, and the reporter asked, how do you know uh, if you should keep playing, especially since you've had a lot of injuries? And football player said, well, before every season starts, I ask myself three questions, three really important questions. Am I healthy? And is it still fun? If the answer is yes, I keep playing. Three questions. You know, there's only two there. Maybe it's time to quit, right? Too many injuries. But something gives him strength to keep going. And that's the theme for today. I want to ask you this question. What gives you the strength to keep going? Maybe it's physical strength that we need to do the things that we've been asked to do. Or strength to respond to some of the exciting opportunities that we face in life. Or maybe it's emotional and spiritual strength that we need to be the husbands and wives that we want to be even when it gets difficult. Or handle school the way we want to. Or our careers. Or maybe it's strength to be parents that we want to be. That's a good theme for Mother's Day. We need a lot of strength for that, right? Pastor John Ortberg tells a story of when his daughter was two and like a lot of toddlers would just bombard them with question after question. Why this? Why that? And it drove John nuts. But his wife, who was home with a little girl all day, she just had it. So one day, John decided to turn the tables and ask his daughter questions. So he said, hey, Laura, why is the sky blue? What makes cars go? Where do babies come from? And he said she got this troubled look on her little face. And his wife, in a moment of weakness brought on by exhaustion, got excited and said, keep going, John. Make her cry. Make her cry. (laughs) Many mothers have probably been in that moment, right? Well, the story we read today about King David gives us some clues about how we can find more strength. And over the last couple of weeks, if you've been following this sermon series, over the last couple of weeks, we have seen David at his absolute worst, committing adultery with Bathsheba and having her husband murdered to cover it up. And then he he just passively does nothing after his son raped his daughter and his other son killed his brother in revenge. Only hero in that story was his daughter, who bravely responded to what had happened. Well, today's story happens about 20 years later, and it's at the very end of David's life. And David is so frail, he can't keep warm. So his attendants say, let us look for a young virgin to serve the king. She can lie beside him so that the king may keep warm. Okay, that's just weird. Like, what kind of people? Hey, I got an idea. Let's... So they find this poor woman named Abishag, right? And it says that she took care of the king, but the king had no sexual relations with her. So at the start, we have this image of David completely without strength, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and politically powerless. And it's a sad picture. Like what happened to that teenager who bravely ran to battle the giant Goliath? Now he can't even keep warm. Well, then as the story goes on, it describes how one of David's son named Adonijah tries to usurp the throne, even though David is not yet dead, and even though David intended Solomon to be the next king. But thanks to Bathsheba, who is the hero of this story, and confronts him, David rallies and takes charge of the situation, showing that there is strength in the old man yet. 
And I think this story gives us some clues how we can gain strength, even if you feel strong right now, how we can have more of God's strength and the right kind of strength, because sometimes when we try to fix things in our own strength, sometimes that doesn't always work out so well. And the first, the obvious step is this, Jesus. As we connect with Jesus in prayer and worship and scripture and in community with others, he gives us strength to be the people that we want to be and he's called us to be. But the story, I think, also shows some other steps that we can take, some practical steps that we can take to find more strength, such as believing that God's purposes can't be stopped, no matter what setbacks you are facing. And here's why this is important, because if we know the power that is behind us and that God's purposes can't be stopped, it encourages us and gives us strength to act. And David understands this, right? Right before he dies, some of David's last words are this. David says, is not my house right with God? Has he not made with me an everlasting covenant, arranged and secured in every part? I want you to look at that first line. Okay, given what we've seen about David in this sermon, does anything strike you as odd about that line? Is not my house right with God? Well, yeah, other than adultery, incest, rape, murder, fratricide, and his son launching a civil war against him. Other than that, everything's great in his family. Like, how can he say this? Well, he's referring to God's promise that from him will come a line of kings that will eventually lead to Jesus. And David knows that no matter what, God's purposes cannot be stopped. In spite of all of his sin, all of his failure, he knows that he cannot out-sin God's purposes. And that's the best news you're going to hear this week. Now, that doesn't mean we're off the hook for our behavior because our bad behavior can cause a lot of damage. In David's case, it tears his family apart. More than that, our bad behavior causes us to miss some of the joy and adventure in life. But even in that, we can't out God's ultimate purpose for us as long as, and this is an important caveat, as long as we are in the ballpark of being remotely faithful to following Jesus. You don't have to do it perfectly, just somewhere in the ballpark. So when Adonijah tries to usurp the throne, Bathsheba, Solomon's mother, confronts David about it, calls him back to David's promise, and more importantly, calls him back to, David, to, to God's bigger purposes. And if you want an example of a strong, brave mother, Bathsheba is it. She confronts not just the king, but half the army to defend her son. She is a strong woman. So David rallies, has Solomon crowned king, and when folks on Adonijah's side hear about it, they abandon him and his coup falls apart. Now here's the thing, that should not have worked. Adonijah had way more troops than David had. David is badly outnumbered. On top of that, Solomon is not David's oldest surviving son. Adonijah is. Solomon is actually 10th in line for the throne. On top of that, he is the son of Bathsheba, who unfairly would have been viewed as a morally tainted woman because David had had committed adultery with her. So Solomon should not have been able to succeed against his older brother from a legitimate wife who had more troops and better advisors on his side. But it was God's purpose of grace that Solomon, the son of the woman who was considered morally unclean, he becomes the next king and the eventual ancestor of Jesus. That is God's grace. See, this is yet one more story in David's life that's got greed and violence and sin. I mean, David's life is a reality TV show. It's like an episode of Cops, right? Like, bad boy, bad boy, what you gonna do when they come, right? But in spite of all of that, 
And all of that mess, all of, all of those setbacks, all of his sin and failure, in spite of all of that, God's purposes go forward. That is good news. And Because here's what it means for you and me. Here's what it means. You can't screw this up. Now, I know some of you are like, oh, pastor, yeah, I can totally screw it up. You, do, you don't know me, man. I, I, if anyone can screw it up, I can screw it up. Then you, yes, you can make mistakes, and you can do a lot of damage, which is a good reason not to sin. But even so, if you are somewhere in the ballpark of being remotely faithful to Jesus, praying your lame, lousy, half-baked prayers that you pray and that I pray, even still, God's ultimate purposes for you cannot be stopped. I know a couple who struggled with infertility for years, and it was very painful. But over time, the Holy Spirit gave them both the same thought. You know, there's a lot of kids out there who are abandoned. So they adopted a little girl from Guatemala, got her when she was four months old, and they'd always say, this is great, she already sleeps through the night. Folks who had newborns at the time weren't, didn't appreciate that very much. And they'd say the adoption was such a good thing for them because it taught them to trust God. And it taught them, more importantly, what it means in Scripture when God says that we are his adopted sons and daughters. It helped them understand God's heart better. In spite of setbacks, in spite of failures, in spite of the ways we fail, God's purposes will always go forward. Just like that couple, God's purposes for them could not be stopped. Now, I want to point out something important. Notice I said God's purposes cannot be stopped. Yours, on the other hand, are oh so stoppable. <laughs> In this story, the text says, Adonijah put himself forward and said, I shall be king. And the word for I in Hebrew there is emphatic. I, me, 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 I, right? These are, these are his plans. They could be stopped. Several years ago, a man named Mike Leavitt, who was then governor of Utah, was waiting for a flight. And at the same time, his press secretary was at the ticket counter being told that she couldn't get on the flight because it was full. But she kept insisting because she was traveling with the governor on urgent business. She made such a fuss, eventually a U.S. embassy aide came in and stepped in, and she then was, got, got on the plane on standby. Well, when she got on, she went to the front of the plane to tell the governor what had happened, but he wasn't there. Turned out, the governor had been bumped by an urgent standby passenger. Her. Ever done something like that? Ever tried to fix something in your own strength and you've just made it worse? Right? Our plans can be stopped. God's purposes cannot be. I remember on one of our trips to Rwanda with a team from this church, we, we had this day where we just faced one logistical setback after another, which threw us way off schedule. And one of the things we were supposed to do was build a wall, but this rainstorm came, this giant rainstorm came, which made it hard to do with bricks that were supposed to, you know, dry in the sun. So instead, we went to the genocide uh, memorial instead. And, and then we went back to the village where there was a community center there that we were trying to get started. Problem was the mayor of that town opposed it and had put up one bureaucratic roadblock after another to stop the project. Well, when we were there, some of the, some of the uh, people on our team started playing duck, duck, goose with some of the kids in the village, or in this case, embara, embara, ihene, which is duck, duck, goat. Don't ask me why. And then some of us started to pile up the bricks kind of in preparation to, for the next day's work. Well, right then, the mayor just happened to come by see this scene, and it was this demonstration of what that center could bring to his town. Like people working together, joy in the community, and he, he, it converted him. He switched. He said, I'll, I'll support it. I'll stop putting up all of these roadblocks. Plus, for us playing with the kids after we'd been to a genocide memorial, I mean, that was, I mean, it was just this breath of new life after such a heavy thing. See, we had our plans, but weather and logistical setbacks, all of that 
that got in the way, but that did not stop God's purposes. In fact, it advanced them, in fact, advanced them better than if we'd had our way. If we'd been on our schedule, we never would have been there at that exact right moment when the mayor just happened to come by. Later that night, as we debriefed all of this, a college student on the trip with us said, wow, that was the most important game of Duck, Duck, Goose ever. <laughs> when you get that no matter what setbacks you face, no matter how many times you fail or sin, when you get God's purposes cannot be stopped, it inspires you and that gives you strength. Third thing we do to gain strength, rejoin the battle. Rejoin the battles of life. There's a scene in Lord of the Rings, which I'm guessing many of you have seen, where King Theoden has been possessed by an evil wizard, and, and his face is all aged and cracked, and he just stares blankly, right, ahead, shell of a man. But then the good wizard, Gandalf, drives the evil wizard out of him, and Theoden begins to get younger looking and more energy, but he's not up to 100%. And then Gandalf says this, I think, incredibly profound line. Perhaps your hands will remember their former strength, if you grasp your sword. And then Theoden grabs it, stands up, and, you know, and then he's 100% good to go. Perhaps your hands will remember their former strength when you grasp the sword. Go back to the battles of life. Yes, there are times we need to rest. Yes, there are times we need to recharge. But if we retreat for too long, that's not strength, that's just weakness. One of my favorite spots on earth is the couch in my in-law's house in California. And when we get there, my mother-in-law hands me the remote control that powers hundreds of channels of electronic escape, and she brings me cold drinks and snacks all day, which she loves to do, so I tell myself. <laughs> but every once in a while, my bliss is interrupted by this thought, you know, your in-laws aren't Christians. Is this the best example you can give them? Right? There's the pastor living the abundant life on the couch. <laughs> it is not an image of strength. It's retreat. Right before the story we read today, there's a, a, another story where David is leading his men in battle, and he gets tired, and he almost gets killed. And so his men say to him, never again will you go out with us to battle so that the lamp of Israel will not be extinguished. Worst advice he ever got. Worst advice he ever got. Because when we get cautious, stop taking risks because we're afraid to lose what we've got, hang on to our comfort, our status, our money, whatever. The more we hang on and retreat, the weaker we get, the smaller life gets. Here's the thing. Your hands will remember their former strength when you grasp the sword and go back to the battles of life. And that's what David does in this story. And actually, it's kind of dramatic. After Bathsheba confronts him, tells him about Adonijah's coup, David gets out of bed, Finally, right, gets out of bed, summons Bathsheba back because she'd stepped out of the room. It may have been his first command in years. And then he says to her, as the Lord lives, who has redeemed my soul out of every adversity. See, there's that confidence in God's purposes again. And as I swore to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, saying, Solomon, your son, shall reign after me and sit on my throne. Even so will I do this day. He's back. Right, there he is. Right, there's the David that ran to the battle against Goliath shouting, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Right, he's tan, he's rested, he's ready, he's back, bigger and better than ever before. Sunday, 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 in the Tacoma Dome, right? <laughs> Where do you need to rejoin the battles of life? Maybe it's to say to your spouse, let's fix this marriage, and here's a list of counselors that we can go to. Maybe it's to take some risk God is nudging you to take. Maybe it's simply to find your place in God's rescue mission to this planet. 
I've said this before, I'm going to keep saying it. Even the most boring job can become more exciting if you go into that office every day knowing that it is a battlefield where the devil and Jesus are fighting it out for every heart, mind, and soul in that place. And if you go into that place, in that office, or to your workplace, or your school, every day saying, Lord, show me how I can be a part of the battle on your side of your rescue mission, then even the most dull job gets more interesting. It's not always easy. It sometimes takes years to see the results, but it gives us strength. Recently read something written by a Christian businessman who is always praying that prayer. Lord, today at work, show me how I can be a part of your rescue mission. And one day he was in the dentist chair getting a filling, and the technician said, you're Mr. Beckett, aren't you? And he said, "Uh uh-huh, yeah. And she said, yeah, you fired my husband a while ago. He said, nothing like being at the dentist when the person with the drills in your mouth says that to you, right? So she said, I want to thank you for that. See, he failed a drug test, and you told him that according to company policy, you had no choice but to fire him. But you also said, listen, you are, you are on a predictable path here. You are, you know, you're, you're doing the same thing over and over again. If you keep going the way you are, the results are going to be predictable. Or you can take this as a wake-up call and start to change some stuff. And then you said to him, I like you. You've got a ton of talent. I really hope you don't throw it away. And then you gave him a list of recovery programs, and you prayed for him, and you followed up afterwards with a few letters of encouragement. And he's been clean and sober for 10 years, and he's a great husband, and he's a great father. So yes, thank you for firing my husband and for the way you did it. See, because he was praying, Lord, show me how can I be part of your rescue mission today? Even in firing someone, which is no fun to do, and even though he didn't see the results for 10 years, he joined God's battle and found strength for him, helped someone else find theirs. One other example. A couple from my former church named Charles and Betty. They're in their 90s. And at Betty's insistence, every week they have prayed for the prayer requests in their church. Every week over the years, they have prayed for over 10,000 prayer requests. Sometimes calling people on the phone to pray with them. 10,000. How many marriages were put back together? How many people far from God found him? How many were healed? Well, after Betty died, Charles didn't quit. He just kept going. And he had this great phrase. He said, you know, Betty was always the upfront person. She was always the leader. Me, I'm a backer-upper. I love that. I'm a backer-upper. In his 90s, he is finding his strength even after losing his wife because he has grasped the sword. And if we do this, see, if we do this, here's what happens. Life gets bigger, and one of the things we get out of it is just a little more adventure and a little more fun. Not always, but a little more adventure and fun. And when we experience adventure and fun, that energizes us and gives us even more strength. Before the story we read today is another passage. It's kind of a flashback. David at the end of his life, flashback, and he's remembering a time when he was at war. And he just whimsically says, oh, if I could only have some water from Jerusalem. And so some of his men took that and they snuck behind enemy lines and got him the water and brought it back. And there's a lot of points to that story being there, but one of them is it's just David remembering back some of the adventures he's had, some of the fun he's had, even in the middle of life being hard. They were at war. And it gives him strength. One of our members who has a special needs child was telling me recently about a time after church when she and her son were on the shuttle bus uh, going back to, because you know, they had parked on the off-site parking at Bellevue Christian, as all good Christians do, <laughs> and as God has commanded. <laughs> and they were headed back, and her son kind of got upset over something and just got completely out of control. And that is a tough moment for any parent, right? Like, oh, am I, are they disturbing people? What are they thinking, right? And add to that the difficulty of dealing with a special needs child in that moment. 
But then in the back of the bus, one of our senior citizens just started to sing, the wheels on the bus go round and round, round and round, round and round. And then pretty soon the whole shuttle was singing that song. And her son calmed down, got real quiet, problem solved. Belprez, this is what is so awesome about you. You guys are just awesome. You do stuff like this. Whoever you were that started singing that day, you saw an opportunity, you took it and gave strength to a mom in need and allowed a whole bus to have a little bit of fun and turn a shuttle ride into something a little less ordinary. Turn to Jesus. Noah's purposes can't be stopped. Rejoin the battle. Find some adventure and fun. And finally, to gain strength, be a good storyteller. Here's what I mean by that. David wasn't just a warrior and a king. He was also a poet who wrote a lot of the Psalms. For instance, Psalm 18, written after he'd escaped from King Saul, who was trying to kill him. And David writes this, The Lord thundered from heaven. He parted the heavens and came down. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemies, great bolts of lightning and routed them. He drew me out of the deep waters. He rescued me because he delighted in me. You know, someone else might have just said, yeah, he helped me a lot. But not David. Because David knows he's a part of a bigger story, a cosmic story, and that gave him strength. Our lives are not small. We are part of a cosmic drama that has been going on for thousands of years, a big, big story of God's rescue mission to this planet, and we get to be characters in it. And when you understand how big that story is and you've got a place in it, that gives you energy and strength. You want a better life? Live a better story. You want a better life? Live a better story. Not your story, God's bigger story. I have a friend who has three kids, and there was one who, for some reason, she, she just fought with him all the time. She showed him no affection. She, she pretended not to like him, all of which hurt him, made him really mad. And one night, they were going to bed. They were just going at it right before she was going to go to bed, just fighting. And, and he got so hurt and so angry, he walked out of her room. And he thought, that's it. I'm done. I, you know, I have two other kids. You're your mother's child from now on. But then he had one of those thoughts that he knew was from God, and it said, You're my son, and I didn't give up on you. And if you quit now, you will regret it for life. And that gave him strength. So he went back, he hugged his daughter, he prayed with her. And that was a turning point. Something in him shifted. And from then on, he started to spend more time with her and tried to understand her better and talk with her more. And now they have a great relationship. So instead of going passive and giving up, He connected with Jesus, believed that God's purposes for his daughter and for him were unstoppable in spite of setbacks, rejoined the battle, went back to his daughter, and became part of God's larger story to form his daughter into a woman who will one day be a warrior in God's rescue mission to undo the damage the devil has done. So where do you need some strength? Connect with Jesus. Know his purposes can't be stopped no matter what in spite of setbacks, no matter what. rejoin the battle and be part of God's bigger story and along the way you will have a little bit more adventure and fun. Not always, but a little more. See, the bottom line is this. We serve the God who, as Job says, spun the Milky Way, loosed the cords of Orion. He shattered the bonds of death when he rose from the grave. In other words, he is one tough dude. He is very strong and he is strong enough for the opportunities we face. He is stronger than our pain, stronger than our boredom, stronger than our problems, stronger than the setbacks we face, stronger than our sin. He is mighty to save. As David himself says in Psalm 18, it is God who arms me with strength. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. With your help, I can advance against an army. With my God, I can scale a wall. In other words, I can do all things through Christ 
who strengthens me. So Jesus, help us to walk in your strength, live in your strength in spite of setbacks, in spite of failures. Lord, help us to access your strength by leaning on you. Lord, for those of us who feel strong, lead us from strength to strength to strength in your name, and we will give you all the glory for it. Amen.